The old evangelist Billy Sunday was famous for telling this particular story of a dead, lifeless, formalistic church in a small town. The church was more like a social club, a country club, than anything else. No real spiritual life or power. And then one night, the church building caught on fire. It seemed to awaken everybody in the town. And it was the spectacle. People came from all around. Everybody came running, including the noted town atheist. And one of the deacons standing by there, when he saw the atheist standing there in the church parking lot, watching the church burn, that deacon stared and glared at the atheist and said, Well, this is the first time I've ever seen you at church. To which the atheist replied, Well, it's the first time I've ever seen the church on fire. I wonder this morning if Goldsboro could say that Faith Church is on fire. I'd like to think so. The Lord knows the truth about that. And yet it's really it really doesn't come down to whether or not the church here is on fire. It comes down to whether or not you're on fire. If you're not on fire, faith church won't ever be on fire. If you don't have that fire in your soul, how do you expect this group of people to have it? If we don't have it individually. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you on fire for God? You see, when it, when it comes to the subject of spiritual fire, at times we tend to fall into one of two extremes, either no fire or strange fire or what some people call wildfire. And we have a hard time figuring out the balance. But all throughout the Bible, God chose fire to be a symbol of his presence. Moses met the presence of God as a flame of fire in the midst of a bush in Exodus 3.2. The people of Israel confronted the presence of God at Mount Sinai where fire came down from heaven on the mountain in Exodus 19 verse 18. In 1 Kings 18.24 we see that God is the God who answers Elijah by fire. In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 1, Solomon dedicated the temple and fire, fire fell from heaven and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Jeremiah in chapter 20 verse 9 said that the word of God was like a fire shut up in his bones. And he had to speak. Daniel's vision of the ancient of days in Daniel 7 verses 9 and 10 had God's throne as a fiery flame and a river of fire coming out from it. Jesus baptizes believers, as John the Baptist said, Matthew 3.11, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 3, the 120 believers in the upper room at Pentecost, they had fire from heaven resting upon them. That's why it shouldn't be any surprise to us what we read here in our text in Luke chapter 24. And I want you to listen very carefully. We call this the event of the two Judean disciples who were walking that road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's a seven-mile journey. They had been in Jerusalem for the Passover, and these men were followers of Jesus. They were part of the Judean group of followers. They were not part of the 12 initial apostles, but they were men who trusted Christ and who followed the Lord. They were from a little, what we would call it a suburb of Jerusalem, Emmaus, seven miles outside of Jerusalem. They say it took about two hours to make that walk. And as they're going back from the Passover, back home, back to their little village, this man comes and joins their journey. For whatever reason, they don't realize it, but it's Jesus. He's in his post-resurrected state. I'm not sure if his face was shrouded a bit, but they couldn't detect who it was. And so for two hours... They have this one-on-one conversation with Jesus as he dispels their doubt, their discouragement. They even doubted the resurrection, and he lets them know that, hey, he, he, he begins in the Old Testament and goes all the way through, and he reveals to them all the prophecies concerning himself. So they get to Emmaus. And look at verse 30, we find out what happened. It came to pass, as he said at meat with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. They finally realized who he was. I'm not sure what it was about that moment. Some believe that it was when Jesus took the bread and broke it, and he gave it to them, that perhaps from the robe... His hand extended out, revealing the nail scars, maybe. It could be. But they finally realized who this was. It wasn't just some traveler walking along with them. This was the Messiah himself. This was the resurrected Christ. And so just as soon as they realized who he was, watch this, verse 31, he vanished out of their sight. Just gone, just like that. He said, explain that. Brother Christian, I can't. All I can tell you is the same God that can do anything, he doesn't have any problem appearing and disappearing whenever he wants to. (laughs) So boom, vamoose. He vanished right there in front of them in a blink. By the way, that lets me know that that lends credibility to the fact that when Jesus comes back and the rapture takes place, he's going to take us out just as quick. In the twinkling of an eye, he's going to call us home. So here they are sitting in one of them's house, and they look at one another. Jesus was just there, and now he's gone. And they look, verse 32, they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he, Jesus, talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures. 
And while he was here with us, while he was talking, and he was going through the Bible, going through the Old Testament, there was something about it that caused our heart to burn. There was a fire in our spirit, a fire in our soul. You have that fire this morning? I want to say, first of all, that fire in your soul is something that can be sensed inwardly. It can. By the way, thank God that it can. God made us as creatures who have the ability to feel things. Not just outwardly. But we feel and sense things emotionally. It's not just if I put my hand on the stove, I'll feel heat. (laughs) Or if I hold it over a flame, I'll feel heat. No, I feel something inside in my spirit. In my emotions, we call that the heart. But we understand what we mean by that. The center of who we are. We all have those emotions. We all feel certain things. Remember and thank the Lord that in John 4, Jesus didn't say that those that worship God worship Him in truth. He did say that. But He said in spirit and in truth. It's both. It's both deeply intellectual and theological. But it's also emotional. It's spiritual. We feel His presence. I can feel the presence of God. I sense Him. It's not just with my head. It's with my spirit. When I'm in the presence of the Lord, and when I'm close to Jesus and He's close to me, I feel something. Anybody else like that? Anybody else like that? By the way, that's how it should be. There's something about, there's something natural and something wholesome about sensing inwardly the the presence of God. You see, spiritual fire is an inward, holy passion for more of God that is produced by the reality of His presence. That fire motivates any and everything we do for Him. Our service, our time alone with Him, our witness, our giving, our fellowship, everything. It colors and shapes and fuels everything that we do. As Christians, that inward spiritual fire should be a natural outgrowth of our relationship with Him. It should be present there in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul. It ought to be obvious to you and to others that you have that inward passion and that inward drive. And I want to say this, it should be growing in you. Your spiritual fire shouldn't be getting less and less and less. It ought to be getting greater and greater and greater and growing and more and more and more. We all express that emotionally differently. We all express this fire at times in different ways. Sometimes with some folks, it brings tears to their eyes. Sometimes in some folks, it brings a shout. Sometimes it brings a very sincere raising of the hand. Sometimes it brings an amen. Sometimes it brings, maybe not verbally, but it brings a glory in your spirit and in your soul. 
Sometimes it doesn't manifest itself with some folks and their personality. It doesn't manifest itself much outwardly at all. But you feel it in your own heart. You might not be an emotional person. Or you might not express yourself emotionally. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're in the presence of God and God is speaking to you. And he's near to you and he's warming your spirit and warming your heart. You might not express it like I would. But you feel it and it's real to you. That's what I'm talking about this morning. You know what it is to be in the presence of God and you know what it is not to be. And if there's anybody that ought to feel that inward fire, it's God's people. It can be sensed inwardly. This drive, this passion, this warmth within, in your spirit, in your soul. It's not fake. It's not put on. It's not worked up. It's not forced. It comes from within. From the presence of God dwelling and living in you. It comes from within. It's real and genuine. Fire in your soul. So fire in your soul is something that can be sensed inwardly. Number two, fire in your soul is produced by being in Jesus' presence. These two dudes looked at one another and they said, Hey, did not our heart, our soul, who we really are inwardly, burn within us? When? When He He, who's he? That's Jesus. When Jesus walked with us and talked with us, by the way, when we were in the presence of Jesus, we talk about being enthused or enthusiastic. We talk about things enthusiastically. That word enthused literally is a word that in its origin it comes from in theos. In God or God in you. I want to say that a complacent Christian, an apathetic Christian, a passionless Christian, an unenthusiastic Christian is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. Friend, I ask you today, how can the almighty, infinite God of the universe be in you, living in you, and you living in Him, and there be no passion, no life, no excitement, no drive, no spiritual fire down in your soul? I would submit to you today, it will be there. The very presence of Christ Himself, who is a consuming fire, will produce that in our souls. It's interesting to me that in this event, in this narrative, that His presence burned away the confusion. His presence burned away their coldness, burned away their discouragement, burned away their disillusionment in their soul. And I want to say He is, Jesus, His presence is the cure for our coldness. He's the cure for the common life. 
He's the cure for the average life. He's the cure for our complacency and our frustration and our apathy and our lifelessness as believers. When I get into His presence and I get close to our God who is a consuming fire, friend, I can't help but get warmed in my soul and in my spirit. So fire in your soul is something that can be sensed inwardly. Fire in your soul is produced by being in Jesus' presence. And then finally, fire in your soul needs fuel in order for it to burn. Every fire needs fuel. In fact, firefighters, and we have some in the room, they call it the fire triangle. There's heat. There's fuel. And then there's oxygen. Needs all three. His presence is the warmth. His presence is the heat. But there has to be fuel. There has to be wood to burn. There has to be something there that His presence can ignite and sustain. What type of fuel keeps that holy fire burning in our soul? Well, I love what they said here. They said, didn't our heart burn within us while he walked with us by the way? And watch this. And while he, what? Opened to us the... I want to tell you today that more than anything and more than ever before, listen to me, we need the wood of the word. You don't you won't get any better wood and fuel than that right there. You show me a soul that's in that's taking in heavy doses of the word properly, I'll show you a soul that's on fire. You show me somebody who's just faking it until they make it. Just going through the motions. Their Christian life's a drudgery. It's a burden. It's a chore. It's a pain. It's a bore. I'll show you somebody, my dear friend. I say this lovingly and respectfully, but I'll show you somebody that doesn't have a serious diet of the word in their spirit and in their soul. Because I'm going to tell you something, gang. Let me tell you what old Satan does. He knows that certain things like the Word ignite our soul. I'm going to tell you what he likes to do. He likes to pull out the old fire extinguisher. (laughs) Some of y'all get nervous right over here, aren't you? (laughs) Wouldn't that be terrible? The key is still in the position. Praise the Lord. He's a master at putting out fires. He's a master. I'm going to set this down before anybody gets injured. He's a master at putting out my fire and putting out yours. Because, see, he knows that neglect of exposure to the Word kills our fire. So there's the wood of the Word. 
How about this? Listen to me. There's the wood of a clear and clean conscience. Because, see, Satan knows that sin and a stained conscience kills our fire. I'm not going to have fire in my spirit, fire in my soul, fire in my heart for God if my old heart is so full, chock full of sins and a guilty conscience and the stain and the shame of unconfessed, tolerated sin in my life as a believer. You see, all that chokes out the word. It chokes out the air and the oxygen. It's like, it's like a fire extinguisher spiritually on our soul, on our spirit, when I tolerate sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, David said, the Lord will not. He's not going to hear me. My fire ain't going to be burning bright. There might be a little smoke, but that's about it. I'm talking about sin. And look, all of you look beautiful. You were beautiful people. We're all beautiful outwardly. We got our Sunday get-up clothes on. We done have, did our hair. Put on some foo-foo juice, some makeup, or whatever we got to do. We brushed our teeth. We even tried to coordinate and match. We look good. You look good, people. You look like you're going to church. But you can't see my heart. I can't see yours. Listen, I could smile to you and tell you, Hey, preacher, how are you doing? Oh, brother, I'm batting a thousand. Oh, fan- I'm fantastic. I've had a phenomenal week. Oh, me and Jesus, it's just been good. And I'm telling you, I could be lying through my yellow teeth. I'm telling you right now. I could be lying every blooming word of it. You don't know. Here's what I do know. We can act like we can act like we don't fight sin and we don't struggle with sin and we don't battle sin. The truth is we all do. And sin stains our conscience and sin dampens the fire of God in my life and it chokes it out. No, I don't feel like getting up and going to church when there's sin in my life. I don't feel like getting up and reading a word. I don't feel like getting in my Bible. I don't feel like hitting my prayer closet. No. The wood of the word, the wood of a clean conscience. How about the wood of intimacy with Jesus? Our hearts burn within us because he was there. How about about your prayer closet? How about your prayer time? Is it hit and miss? Is it sporadic? Or is it real? Is it genuine? You want to add some wood to your fire? Pray. You want to add some wood to your fire? Get along with him. Get by yourself and talk to him and pray. You want to add some wood? Get in the word. Get the word in you. Confess sin and have short accounts with God. Pray and get in your prayer closet. And how about the wood of obedience? 
You see, when I'm a hearer and I'm not a doer, when I take in, take in, take in, take in, take in, and I hear it, and I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, but I don't live it out, I don't apply it, I'm not a doer of the word, kills my fire. That lack of obedience suffocates the fire. It's like our adversary extinguishing our fire. I say to us today, it's time that some of us ask the Lord to reveal where that fire extinguisher is. Let's get rid of it. Get rid of the fire extinguisher. So I go back to my original question. Is your heart on fire for God? I remember when I was a preacher boy, 15 years old. I went to the Southeastern Spring Conference. And look, I thought I'd die and gone to heaven. Southeastern Bible College. Spring Conference. I was uh, m- Me and uh, a handful of other preacher boys from my home church went. You talk about things being on fire, an electric atmosphere. It was unbelievable. Man, we sat on the front rows. You know, I, we, I mean, we just thought that's just where you needed to sit. You know, you, you know, bless God. If you if you got the power of God in your life, you got the fire of God, you're going to want to get as close as you can. So, man, we'd sit right up here on the front. We'd amen, you know, 14, 15-year-old youngins, amen. And, amen, you know. My voice hadn't changed yet, so, you know, probably a little bit higher than that, you know. Amen. I barely knew how to tie a tie. But we had the fire. There's something inside of us, man. We wanted the power of God in our life. We wanted the Lord to move in us. And there was this other preacher boy. He was a college student. And he was sitting over here. We were sitting over here. And during the first intermission, the first break, he made a beeline for us. And he got about right here. He said, hey, man, y'all got the fire. Y'all got the fire. I think about that often. And I think about, now I'm 46. I know I look 30, but I'm 46. And I ask myself, Christian pal, you still got the fire? You still got the fire? Thirty-two years ago, Friday, God called me to preach. Do I still have the fire? I'm not talking about something crazy. Y'all know that. You know, last time I checked, we were, you know, you can't accuse us of, you know, strange fire. That doesn't mean we don't have it. But do you have the fire? I mean, really, deep down in your soul, is there that passion for Jesus? That passion for evangelism? That passion for souls? What's happened to us, gang? Have we gotten so sophisticated? Huh? Are we proud of ourselves now or something? Do we think we've arrived spiritually as a church? Why well, we got these nice, man, our endless, I, I don't know another church in, in this area that has as nice facilities as we do. 
But hey, who cares? That's not where the power is. That's not where the fire is. That doesn't mean squat. You got the fire? What's happened to us? It's time we got our fire back. It's time you get your fire back. I'm looking in the faces of folks today. You used to have the fire. What's happened? You used to have that inward passion and that drive. What's happened? It's time we get it back. It's time we get in the presence of Jesus and ask him to move and to have his way in our hearts and lives. So I want to ask you a question. Here it is. Here's the takeaway. Are you in the habit of regularly getting into Jesus' presence? Regularly? Do you know what that is? Do you know what that's like? Where you get into God's presence regularly? Do you feel yourself more times than not, listen now, having to force yourself to engage in spiritual activity or spiritual service? You have to force yourself all the time? Has your want to or your wonder factor waned in your spiritual journey? If so, sincerely, today, right now, ask God to reveal where and how that fire has gone out. And then determine to get into his presence today to begin to rekindle that fire in your soul. I want that fire in my soul. And I long for it. And he longs to do that in all of us in this room. Now we're going to pray. You're here this morning. Your greatest need is to be saved. You're sitting here wondering, Why in the world you've never even, never, never felt that fire? Friend, it's because your greatest need is Christ. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. Jesus died on the cross for you in your place. And with open arms today, he's drawing you and calling you to himself in repentance and faith. Would you come to him today? Would you say yes to him today? Today. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. Come to Jesus. Just as you are, come to Jesus. Say yes to him. And yet this room is filled with scores and scores and scores of Christians. And we just described each other today. And there's a part of you and a sense in you that your fire has waned.
I don't know exactly. I don't have to know, thank God. The Holy Spirit does. And he's speaking to you right where you are, just like he's speaking to me. Will you do what he's calling us to do?